0: Romans chapter 9, and you said, "Woo, what a chapter this was this week, right? Um, It is one of the um, most challenging and difficult passages of the Bible. Anyway, that's what all the commentaries that you look at will tell you, and if you look at it, you'll find that to be true. <clears throat> and um, and yet you have to see it in the realm of the whole picture. So, before I go any further, we'll dismiss the kids to go downstairs and uh, what kids are left here today, okay, for their uh, practice, for um, their Christmas presentation, okay? All right. <clears throat> so, in in chapter 9 there is a drastic change of of attitude and and topic but it's really not like it's a a complete different play that has come on the scene it really is a continuation we ended up last week with with the high point, a mountain peak of the Bible, and especially of Romans chapter 8, with what can separate us from the love of God, and that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And and that's what Paul was uh, conveying, the Holy Spirit through Paul was conveying to them, and, and then it's this change that comes about. And, and Paul begins by saying, I have this, this great burden and sorrow and continual grief. For I could wish that my, my brethren, meaning the Israelites, would come to the knowledge of Christ because many of them are accursed. And, and so, in their minds, and Paul's establishing this case, wait a minute. If, if this is Israel in this circle, and if you remember back to, to your math days, there were sets, and then there were subsets. There was Israel, And then there were God's children. And the Israelites were thinking, wait a minute, Paul, if you said nothing can separate us from the love of God, and we are Israelites, and now you're saying, I wish I'd be willing to give up my salvation for the sake of all those being saved what separated them from the love of god and and if that's true then what you just promised to us nothing can separate us from the love of god well what does that matter if god couldn't keep israel who says that that he's going to keep up us and so to To show them that God is powerful enough so that nothing can separate us from the love of God, he goes in and deals with those questions that come up. And, and in so doing, he brings up the sovereignty of God. Now, really, the sovereignty of God is not the main theme of Romans 9. He's bringing it up to support his main theme that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And here is proof why nothing can separate us from the love of God. Now, <clears throat> when you mention the sovereignty of God, people come with different ideas and, and different preconceived, uh, ideas and plans and, um, and some, um some of the things that we come to are the results of reactions. When I was in Bible college, a friend of mine really got into the whole election thing and and I reacted to that. I reacted you've you've heard me illustrate over and over again the pendulum approach. When a pendulum is out of swing this way, People react and bring it out this way and let let me just say before I go any further i 'll probably make a lot of people here today mad on both sides, but come back the next two weeks, and this isn 't a teaser to get you back but and and we'll see the whole picture of it and um And, um, don't, don't swing your pendulum one way or the other, okay? Um, unhook the spring to your pendulum for a few weeks and just let it sit there. But I swung the pendulum over here and we'd argue and he'd show me verses from the Bible that you are elect and you are chosen and I'd show him verses from the Bible that you are a free will. And I don't know what they'd do in Bible college if they didn't have that, really. I don't know what dorms would talk about. As I look back on it, it was about as foolish as, as talking about the weather. But at any rate, that's a major, major issue. And, and in Romans chapter 9, he specifically starts dealing with this and he he brings up the the clear testimony to the Jews that the Jews were God's chosen people. God promised to bless them and to bless all nations through them. But when Paul wrote Romans, most of the Jews were rejecting Jesus as the Messiah. And and so the problem is in light of the Jews' rejection of Christ, has God's purpose to bless the Jews failed? And if it has, as we mentioned a moment ago, then how can we trust that He's going to save us? So, here Paul's flow begins in verses 1-5. through 5. He affirms his heartfelt concern for the salvation of the Jews. And, and he does so because some of the Jews were saying he has abandoned his own people, meaning Paul. Look at this. He's left his own people, and, and he's taken this to the Gentiles. And he says, right at the start, he says, I am burdened for, for my fellow Jews. And he affirms, um, he affirms that in the first few verses of this. And then in verse 6, he raises the question, but it is not that the Word of God has taken no effect. Has the Word of God then failed? If God says nothing can separate us from the love of God, many Jews are in unbelief. Has the Word of God failed? And Paul answers that by saying no, because God has always worked through a remnant, according to his sovereign choice. And he then goes in and he mentions their Jewish history. He's teaching them. He said, did not God choose Isaac over Ishmael? And, and he knew that some of the Jews would say, well, yeah, but, but they had different mothers. And so then he goes on and he says, what about Jacob and Esau? They were of the same mother, of the same father, and God chose Jacob over Esau. And he's building this case that God, you can trust God and His promises, but God has chosen and He works through a remnant. And so he... um he then goes on and builds that case and illustrates to them that, um, it, it is the situation that God has chosen the remnant and he, Isaac and Jacob chosen over Esau. And, and he goes on and raises the, the question then, if God is totally sovereign, we read in verse 19, how can he then find fault because who can resist his will? In other words, why are we held accountable if God is sovereign in choosing? And he's, he's continuing with this, with this sovereignty aspect. And, and he, he raises the question, and Paul answers it, by basically saying this aspect of, who do you think is really in charge of everything here? It doesn't mean that God has rejected the Jews permanently, but he has a remnant that he has chosen, and he is using his sovereignty now in this age, the church age. He will eventually bring the remnant of the Jews back, And during the tribulation period, we'll work in them to bring all of Israel to salvation. And we'll, we'll get to that in Romans 10 and Romans chapter 11. But some would say, well, okay, if God chooses what is, what is the purpose for holding me accountable? Are we robots? Are we just here, God chooses? So, uh, the question is, is salvation a matter of divine determination or human responsibility? And I like the answer given by Leighton Talbert in his book, Not by Chance. Is salvation a matter of divine determination, God chooses, or human responsibility? He says, The only thoroughly biblical answer is yes. You say, wait a minute. Scripturally, it is not either or, but a both and. And you say, that can't be, that doesn't make sense. Well, you remember in Isaiah 55 and verse 9, it says, God's ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. It is basically saying, God chooses and man has a free will. And we say, can't be. It's got to be one or the other. And we find all ways to jump through hoops to try to... Find one way or the other. And in my personal journey, I've come to, I, I believed in the free will of man. I still believe in the free will of man, but I also believe in the election of God, and you say you can't do that. I can, because it's God who sorts it out. And, and it is, you say that is not logical. Well, God's ways are higher than our ways. It doesn't mean He is illogical. It means that His logic transcends ours. And it's evident. You go to Deuteronomy 29. The secret things belong to God. So why do we wrestle with this over and over again and pitting one against another. You drive down the road and you'll see. Sovereign Grace Church. And why are they that way? Because we are strong on the election. You go down in Missouri and you'll see. Free Will Baptist Church. We are strong on free will. I'd like to see a Sovereign Grace Free Will Baptist Church. But but the reality is. Can our, can we wrap our minds around it? No, we really can't. We God does choose. Turn to Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter two and verse thirteen. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth to which He has called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Clearly it tells us that God chooses. But then, on the other hand... For God so loved the world. Amen. For whosoever, Romans 10 that we'll get to next week, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, these two truths that are brought out here in the book of Romans, we sometimes illustrate them as two rails on a, on a train track. One is the sovereignty of God and one is the free will of man and and that the gospel runs on both, and God will take care of bringing the two of them together. We sometimes illustrate it. <clears throat> I think it was R.A. Torrey said, as you approach heaven, it says, "...come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest." Or, "...whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." And as you go through the gate of heaven, illustrating, you look back and it says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And we illustrate it that way. In um, Leighton Talbert's book, he illustrates it like an arch. And and the stones of the arches, the arch, are put in place and... Um, And when we were had the privilege to be in Israel, we saw some of the arches into Jerusalem. And they showed us how these were put in place. And then they were held in place by the keystone, the one that fit into place. Now, did the arch hold up the keystone or did the keystone hold up the arch? The keystone is Jesus Christ. And on one side of the arch, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And on the other side of the arch, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Jesus Christ makes it all fit together. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. Someone else said, God says it. That settles it, so I believe it. Can you put it all together? In my mind, I can't. And if you go back and remember our study of the attributes of God, one of the attributes of God is that He is incomprehensible. If our minds could understand everything about God, He'd be equal to us and he wouldn't be God. And Paul is saying, in particular here, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, and it's because we can rest in that promise because God is sovereign. God is over all. He rules over all. And rather than battling one another in these things, We need to come back and say, you're right, God, you're God. I don't understand it. And I'm going to take the blessings of I'm going to focus on the blessings of the sovereignty of God. And I'm going to focus on the blessings of the free will and my responsibility. And so I want us to look this morning at the blessings of the sovereignty of God. Number one. There is purpose to life because God is sovereign. He is the ruler over all. If, if, if God is not sovereign, then we're just, we're just left here as a matter of chance. God has a purpose. And secondly, there is a purpose to every circumstance of your life. Everything that happens in your life, God has a purpose for it, and ultimately for the glory of God. In in Romans 9, he says, God will have mercy on whom he will have mercy. It is not of the man that runs. It is not of the man that willeth. But it is all for the glory of God. And so... Everything that comes into our life is to make us say, God, how will you be glorified through this? How can I glorify you through this? It gives purpose to every circumstance in life. Thirdly, we, we have nothing in our salvation in which to glory but God's mercy. Our salvation is not because... We were smart enough to make the choice to come to Jesus. Our salvation is all of God. This is the benefit of the sovereignty of God. And we have nothing to glory in. It is not of works lest any man should boast. And, and we, we need to be reminded of that. It's sometimes easy for us to think, you know, all these fools that don't see Jesus is the answer at least that ah look at I saw that that is only because of the working of God in our lives we have nothing in our salvation in which to glory but God's mercy see all mankind is condemned it's not like God condemns anyone to hell we condemn ourselves. We're, we're born in sin and we're sinners. We're already condemned. That's the pot we're in. And then God comes in His mercy and rescues. Is His mercy available to all? For God so loved the world. Yes. But it is all of God's mercy. We read already in Romans, there is none that seek after God. We're spiritually dead. We couldn't seek after God. And so our salvation ought to continually be coming back. God, thank you for your mercy. It wasn't a my will. It wasn't a my effort. It wasn't a my works. It is all of God. So, because another blessing of the sovereignty of God, we can trust the promises of God. The message of Romans 9 is God keeps his promises. That's the overriding message of Romans 9, 10, and 11. And and it is. If God is not is, is not ruler overall, then how can we trust that he's coming back again? How can we trust anything in the book of Revelation? How can how can we trust any of his promises? See, a promise is only is only as good as the power of the one that makes it. See that's why you don't trust politicians. they don't have the power or the will to do what they say. Most of them don't have the will, but that's besides the point because God is all powerful, He is in control of everything He is sovereign. He can fulfill His promises, and He will. That's fifthly, the blessing of the sovereignty of God. God is in control. I thank God for that, because how many times in the last six months have I said to myself, but God is in control. You say, what a mess, and that isn't right, and and this they're lying here, and, and this is deceitful. And I have to yank myself back. And, and if I was a horse, my mouth would be sore from the bridle being pulled back. But God is in control. That's the blessing of the sovereignty of God. God is in control. And nothing can stop His will. Whoa, thank you, Lord. See, these are the blessings "...of the sovereignty of God. Nothing can stop His will, and victory is guaranteed." I like that. I like going into a match or a game and having victory guaranteed, and you know what? This is the only place it's guaranteed. So, those are, those are some of the blessings uh, on this side of the arch, so to speak. These are the stones, the blessings of the sovereignty of God." Remember the keystone of it all is Jesus Christ. Now, the blessings of the free will of man. We are made in the image of God. We have a mind, we have a will, and we have emotions. Now, don't get don't get tripped up and saying, you know, some of the some of the first things I've said on the blessings of the sovereignty of God, I know how we as people are. Some of those tripped up people. Now, the other people that may not have been tripped up there may be tripped up on this. I don't, I don't know how it fits. But I know this. God has given you and I a mind. He's given us a will, and we exercise those, and He's given us emotions. We are made in the image of God. And we are valued as individuals. We are not robots. See, it's easy to swing the pendulum. Well, if God's in control, it doesn't matter what I do. I'm just a robot. He's going to have His will anyway. No. Again, I don't know how it works. But we are individuals. God individually loves us. He individually deals in our lives. He individually gives us the power to make decisions. And because of free will, we can love. Love is the result of free will. Love is a choice. Love is a decision that we make. And so he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's... That's up to us to choose to do that. That's up to us. Romans 6, submit your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So, because of the free will, another of the stones on this side of the arch, we, we can love and enjoy love. And then number four, another stone on this we will be held accountable and rewarded for our actions and 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 this is brought out in in the chapter 9 paul anticipated that they'd say well how can we be held accountable if if god chooses and paul's answer at this point was in essence You better watch the ground you're treading on here. Who are you to talk back to God? He says, don't you even begin to question God about the choices he makes. And an example of that is the book of Job. And Job began and God said to Job, Job. Let me ask you a few questions, about over 60 of them he asked him. And he said to Job, Job, were you there when I formed the earth? And every question that he asked Job, Job had no answer for it. And this was God's way of saying, I'm God and you are not. And and we don't like, we like to think that we're more important than we are. God can do whatever He wants, and whatever He does is just. And He is God, and we are not. And so, well, fine, it doesn't matter what I do. No, God said that you will be held accountable. We are accountable for our decisions, even regarding Christ. We are accountable for how we respond to the gospel. We are accountable for how we share the gospel. See, we get in and depending what side you're on, on these, well, that means I don't even have to share the gospel. No. I need to share the gospel because God said, "Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature." Well, it doesn't matter what I—I I don't get again. You can go away from here and say, "Pastor doesn't know," and that would be true. I know nothing. Colonel Clink—is it Colonel Clink? Schultz, Schultz. I knew it wasn't Clink. But I don't know how it works. But I know both sides are true. And, and because of free will, someday I am going to answer to God for what I have done with my life that He's given me, for the salvation that He's given me. Well, back up. For the opportunity to trust Christ, how I responded, I will, I will answer for that. I'll answer for what I've done with my life since I've come to know Christ, I will answer for what I've done with the gospel that was entrusted to me. You know, and and he he brings it down, and and again, we're not going we don't have the time to go verse by verse, but he brings it down at the end and he says, How is it? That these Gentiles that did not pursue righteousness are now righteous how'd that happen and and by the way, these Jews that tried to keep the law and they were pursuing righteousness they're not how'd that happen and And he answers it verse This Bible, i got to get a different one. The numbers are so small. really. It's not my eyes, it's the numbers. Verse 32. Why? Because they did not seek it. The Jews did not seek it by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. And notice this, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. What is the key? Belief. Abraham believed God. Isaac believed God. Jacob believed God. Ishmael did not believe God. Esau did not believe God. It all comes down to belief. And here were Jews in their own effort trying to keep the law, and they did didn't get righteousness why they didn't believe that Christ paid the penalty and here were Gentiles and to these Jews those bozos the Gentiles you know they're accursed of God and you're telling me that they have righteousness how can that be because they believe Jesus Christ it all comes down to belief God elects, and you must believe. You say, that's a contradiction of terms. Not in God's mind. So I know He's got it all sorted out, and I'm good with it. But just because the promises of God, from our standpoint, appear to have failed, and this is what He's dealing with in Romans 9, it appeared to these people the promises of God have failed. Some of the Jews aren't in, in belief. Just because the promises of God appeared to have failed, it doesn't mean they have. Because God is sovereign, the promises of God cannot fail and never will fail. Why? Because God is sovereign. And there will come days in your life that it looks like everything is pointing at. Look at that, that promise of God has failed. And and if you haven't had those days, good for you. But the days will probably be coming. And Satan will be there accusing God. Look at this promise of God has failed. And this is where you have to come back and say, "No, my God is sovereign he He made a promise, and he has all the power and Although I can't see it, and I can't imagine how possibly it could turn around, you may feel like you're you're staring at the Red Sea in front of you." and Pharaoh's army coming, tromping down behind you, and there is no deliverance, and the promise of God has failed. The promise of God will never fail. Why? Because He is all-powerful, He is all-knowing, He is sovereign, and His promises will never fail. If God promises to bless the Jews... were sidetracked by man's decisions, then God isn't in control. For God's promise to hold true that nothing can separate us from the love of God, God has to be able to carry out His sovereign purpose in spite of all the attempts of Satan and wicked sinners... And the forces of evil to thwart it. God's sovereignty means that He is free to plan. He is free to choose and to carry out His plans. And no one is able to thwart His plans. And that ought to build our faith. And when the questions come, but what about this? I don't know. Say, I don't know, but God's got it figured out. My dad always used to say, it's not the things I don't understand that trouble me. It's the things I do understand that I'm not obeying that trouble me. We got enough to worry about rather than figuring out the magic key how election and free will work. And don't carry, don't carry the pendulum one way or the other allow God to sort that out and let it build your faith. We serve a God who is in control. And and if we didn't if we didn't believe that, we have no hope. But we serve a God that has given us individual responsibilities and and every day we make decisions and that's why it says walk in the spirit you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Every day we have this will over and over again, and we are free to make decisions, and we will be accountable and rewarded. That's the blessed thing. Every good deed will be rewarded. And, and you've made decisions to do that. God's going to reward that. Well, I haven't seen any reward from it. The reward will be coming. God's, God's in control, and we can trust Him. And and it, it ought to encourage us to realize this. Um, to realize, we sing the song often, Standing on the Promises. We're going to sing it here in a little bit. Standing on the Promises of Christ my King. I mean, if He doesn't have the power to fulfill it, we're, of all men, like Paul said, most miserable. And and to realize that is is to rest in God and, and His purpose and that God is in control. It ought to build our faith. You know, sad to say, there have been churches split over these issues. There have been battles fought. There have been people killed over this issue. It's sad. And God intends it to us to leave the workings out of the details. How do these gears mesh? They mesh in our minds, right? They mesh in God's minds. But it's to say, okay, God, what is my responsibility And rejoice in the blessings of His sovereignty, rejoice in the blessings of the free will, and rejoice in our God. Heavenly Father, I pray that Your Spirit would rule in our hearts, that You would bring the maturity of Your Spirit in our beliefs, in our actions, and Lord I do thank you that you are in control and that we truly can rest in the fact that nothing can separate us from the love of you. So, Lord, I just pray that you would help us personally to walk in the truth, in the light that you have given us. Help us to take care of our responsibilities And to make decisions that would glorify You. And that we may see Your purpose in every detail of our lives to the glorifying of You. Lord, perhaps somebody today is is going through some dark, dark days and it seems like the promises of You have been forgotten and broken and will not be fulfilled Lord, may your Spirit encourage them to know that you are over all and above all and in all and through all, and that you will fulfill your promises in your time. And so, Lord, may our faith be established, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.